Well, hello again, everyone. This is Chris Joslin coming to you with the Chris Joslin Show, specifically brought to you by um, ilovelogistics.com, an aggregated news website dedicated to both transportation professionals and the idea of really mainstreaming some of the philosophies, uh, some of the undergirding principles around supply chain in general, transportation, the infrastructure, things that make our country go and allow us to be the type of citizens we are looking to purchase and get stuff coming right to our door any place that we live in the country. There's there's a lot of under, under, under understood, underappreciated, and um, things that lie kind of beneath the surface that we like to talk about, we like to bring in articles, we like to expose the public to that. And this is my way of doing my part in getting that accomplished. Today we're going to be, I haven't really thought of the title yet, it'll probably have come up a little earlier on the screen, but this, this Jaws Bites really revolves around kind of a, a viewpoint or perspective on the claims process, not from a detailed understanding of protocol and how to get through any particular type of claim. We might have a lesson at I-Level University later designed around that, but I'm going to bring in, in a, in a couple of minutes, a, uh, somebody that has a decade of experience in that part of the, uh, in that part of a, a company I'm affiliated with and, and someone that's <laughs> had to learn some lessons along the way. Claims can be the difference between profitable year and an unprofitable year. One big claim, heck, can take companies down. There's, there are lawsuits all the time that revolve around, um, you know, cargo and as well as accidents and liabilities and things like that. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll go into it, not in a huge amount of depth, but from a surface level and have you get a perspective, not just from myself at this point, but from someone else. So in, in the meantime, let's, let's move right into that. I'm going to bring them up on our team's video conferencing and we'll see if we can't get things going. So welcome, uh, Jennifer Joslin. Uh, you are, I believe, the Director of Finance for CJ Solutions, is, and which comes probably with multiple hats, I would imagine. HR, finance, of course, credit and collections. And of course, one of my <coughs> favorite and least favorite subjects, the one we're going to be talking about a bit today, is claims. Can you tell me just a tiny bit about yourself? Well, first, Chris, thank you so much for having me on. Um I have been in the transportation logistics industry since 2011. So, wow, we're coming along to 10 years here right around the corner, which is insane. And I'm sure so many professionals in the industry could probably say the same when they look back to how they got started. Um, I sort of fell into it, to be frank. It was not something I imagined doing, but I ended up being pretty decent at figuring out the little details and uh yeah, and here I am, still doing my thing and enjoying it. it. And if I remember correctly, you kind of started off as as a, you know a run around gopher paperwork kind of person, but quickly moved to kind of wearing your first major hat. And, and everybody out there, it is a major hat. You were wearing a claims hat, if, if you will. And you know, one of the reasons I wanted to put together this jaws bite in this this little interview is because. I think the claims process is can be incredibly detailed and difficult and have kind of a long cycle time between 
initiation of a claim and collection of a claim or those kinds of things. But I, I kind of wanted to get somebody's perspective other than my own that we could broadcast out there to talk a little bit about maybe some of the things that have happened to you without disclosing names, of course, or, or you know, clients, but to, to talk a little bit about the claims process, how you went through it, how you got started with it. Yeah, of course. Um, you know what? You're totally right. It was just mostly a claims hat in the beginning. Uh, I was the, definitely the paperwork girl for figuring this stuff out. And it's just maybe the best way to put it is claims is typically something people don't want to deal with <laughs> because it's very complicated. It can often take a very long period of time to get from uh, re- you know, here's the damage or here's the lost product to here's the resolution. And we can both as a customer and, you know, the claimant and the claimee stop bugging each other. Uh, That time period between there is often long, complicated and frustrating for all sides. Typically Um, there's insurance companies involved. There's underlying carriers involved, meaning if you are, Um, Someone in the middle, maybe brokering a transaction between a customer and somebody else. It can often get that you're just a liaison type of person and anyone who's been a liaison for two different companies and who won't communicate with each other, but have to go through you knows just how um, frazzled that can make somebody. But it's a very important part of the industry because uh, it's everywhere all the time. There's always going to be a trailer that rubs up against, you know, a wall somewhere or somebody leaves a pallet in a warehouse and didn't count right on the BOL. There's lots of reasons for claims to be filed. So kind of the thing I'm really interested in is I know there's a a real aspect of nitty gritty process to that. And I, I think it's incumbent upon us to make sure that the viewing and listening audience out there understands that you have to have a real solid process, kind of a, a you know, here's step one through 12, if you will, if you, if you like 12 step programs, that is not necessarily that's, this is one of them, but you know, the, the fact is, is unless you go through a regular systematic process, whether it's inside or outside a system, depending on the size of your company, that's like job number one. But for today's purpose, I, I kind of wanted to to develop the idea of not only the cycle time and how long it takes in the follow through necessary to get these completed, but also the interpersonal side of this. And what I'm getting at, maybe you can, you know, unpack that for me a bit is what I'm getting at is the, the dance you do as a vendor or a customer in how you look at your overall broad scope picture, especially if you're a small business how do I develop a plan around claims where I, I pay enough and I balance my costs in a way that, that makes sense? Right. So definitely, like I was saying, turnaround can be long. And as a small business owner, these can get very expensive. Um, insurance is required, you know, all over the place. So make sure you always pay your insurance. <laughs> but as we may be able to speculate a little more in a ton of areas of life, not just business, but in our personal lives. Insurance is often there um, 
And sometimes, you know, you don't want to use it because your rates are going to go up. Uh, so that's why a lot of carriers consider claims is they look at it and they say, I could just throw these all at my insurance company and do no additional work, but your insurance rates will be skyrocketing very, very quickly. So a lot of the times there is a lot of extra detective work because, you know, there may be claims that are filed that you could easily dispute on your own without involving an insurance company. Um, there are plenty that in where you can pass it along and the person responsible, let's say there's a driver for a company you hired where, yes, they have video footage of him driving into the yard with a, a busted, you know, panel on the side of the trailer, then easily the responsibility and that bill can be passed along. Um, there is a certain amount of budgetary reasons you should consider claims because like I said, all it takes is one enormous one that can throw off, you know, your entire quarter or your entire year. You're forecasting for. And has, has that happened to you? There have the been several, several stories that I can share. But uh, just an example, uh, without naming names, there, uh, there was a claim filed let's just say it was filed for an example in 2017 for a lost product. Um, and if we had hired somebody to move that product, they are responsible for getting us something that proves that product made it from point A to point B point B being the place that our customer wants that product to uh, arrive to that. Uh, person we had hired didn't get us that proof and we had to chase them down essentially for years meanwhile our customer can't prove to us that their customer even billed them back for what they are saying they lost so we're kind of at a stalemate the person that we hired can't prove to us that it actually made it to where it's supposed to be and our customer who's making a claim to us for a loss can't prove they actually suffered any loss. Years go by. Our customer filed for bankruptcy and disappears. Or, or No, not our customer. I'm very, very sorry. Our vendor files for bankruptcy and disappears. And if anyone has ever gone through a bankruptcy court to try and collect money from a company that has filed for bankruptcy, you should know just how long of a process that is and you're lucky if you get a small percentage of what you were owed by that company and our customer finally provides us the document we've been looking for for years at this point three four years later and they're able to support that claim saying well we filed the claim on time they've had this document in their possession and they didn't provide it to you initially but they did technically file a claim and that document was required by us to collect any money, not only with that company that is now out of business, not one person left on earth that is able to help you figure out where that product went, but also now our insurance company is looking at us saying, we asked for this document two years ago, why did it take you so long to get us? And in the end, that makes so, us in a very tight position. And you have to say, so, what you're what you're describing there by the way you did a great job of not naming names in a situation like that and that's difficult to do when you're telling anecdotal stories about things 
but what you're, what you're, I seem to dig beneath the surface here is that a, a there's a, it's almost like two claims processes, right? You've got this systematic paint by numbers. We must file things a certain way and collect documents and do all these different things so that the legalese are taken care of so that you don't end up in court with, with the customer or with the vendor fighting over these things and spending more money probably than you would have ever spent paying a claim or collecting that claim. And then there's a second layer of claim that really is more of a, um, a commercial decision being made, balancing profitability, relationship, customer and vendor integrity against the idea of either paying or collecting on something that has happened and and all the ramifications involved there. And I, I think that's kind of where I wanted to focus in on because the claims process, and you just described one that was multiple years long, so there's got to be some real diligence and real execution and real accumulation of data so that a solid chain of custody can be identified across that timeline. But ultimately, at least in my experience, over half the claims that we end up paying, <clears throat> excuse me, or collecting, uh, depending on the situation, are entirely a commercial decision. It's this happened, this is the underlying cost, this is what it costs to repair that panel or replace that piece of furniture or electronics or whatever it was meant to be, and this is how much I'm willing to pay for you, pay for it. Or let's come up with a solution that identifies in the transportation world, how many loads can we do for you at a discounted rate of X to accumulate enough funds to indemnify us from further, uh, for further being subjected to mm -hmm. that claims process. Is that, is that really on the underlying surface of it's this? It's a huge part of this. I mean, a lot of times these claims can quite frankly, get out of control. There's a lot of um, damage claims that will come through and where you could easily make the argument, this is just wear and tear. This is, you know, it, you could back this truck or trailer out of a parking lot in the same. And you're talking about the equipment yes. damage as well, which is kind of a different part also, of the Also, but there's, yeah, you know, say you take something to this repair shop versus another, same exact thing four times the price just because of location or whatever preference for the customer, which is understandable, but uh, there's all sorts of reasons this can happen. You can see um, this affect your relationship when it comes to uh, business transactions on completely unrelated pieces of business. If you are using the same, if these are two entities and there's some claims in one part of their business relationship, oftentimes this can affect another, whether in a positive way where you're able to maybe discount things or figure out ways to uh, make things so, easier. Well, so how do you, how do you go through like analyzing those, those items and saying, okay, you know, whether you have to escalate that or whether you, it's a decision you can make as the, the management side of claims process, how do you decide how to value or weigh these different things to make a decision on how much to pay or how much to try to force a collection to happen. It really is just a lot 
of discussion. It's a lot of uh, figuring out, okay, what is the future of our business relationship? Um, obviously, we're past you know, a point of everyone just agreeing in like a gentleman's handshake as an agreement of a business relationship. But these are things you have to factor in. Um, oftentimes, if we, we ran into this before, we will um, receive a large amount of claims. We will arrange an agreement of some sort. And if there is no like official uh, contractor emails or something you can prove, oftentimes that business can just be wiped off the map and you are relying on, you know, verbal confirmation over the phone or something like that often doesn't work. Um, but there's a lot of discussion. You have to go to the people there who often maybe sometimes have a legal team that will get involved. You have to discuss with them because sometimes there are people involved who don't care about the business side of things they just want to see the numbers off their spreadsheet or the numbers out of their system it, the nuance of it isn't important so oftentimes you have to build some sort of relationship with them introduce yourself to incorporate them into the discussion uh there's a lot of like i said there's just optics to mm -hmm. claims it's not just receiving a piece of paper with a bill so, and paying it without ever looking into it again or else you will find yourself in the red as a business completely. Mm -hmm. So the company that, that you work for um, is a, a small to mid cap size brokerage slash consultative mm -hmm. organization and the affiliated trucker as well. And it's so, you know, people, as, as I introduced you, I was saying you have to wear multiple hats, director of finance, claims, um, HR, uh, credit and collections, all those kinds of things. And for most small business owners, that's mm -hmm. kind of the same. And even if you're a, an owner operator on the trucking side of things, oftentimes that's just you and perhaps your significant other. So when you view things through that lens, is there some advice that you could give those types of small business owners, those types of entities? Because claims can't just be ignored. And also, you don't want to be, as a small business owner, always on your heels trying to make the claims go away through these side commercial decision things that I was talking about a minute ago. You don't want that happening all the time or be assumed that you're going to do something for free because of X. So how would you recommend people in the small business side to, to do that? Insource it, outsource it. Well, you you're entirely correct in where it doesn't really matter what type of small business you are. I've had to file claims with owner operators before, and I ran into some people who just had no idea how to handle the situation. And it's almost like you were walking them through what to do, and you were the person who filed the claim with them. Um, but it, it's an extremely important part of our industry. What I would say. Cause there is a lot of, there are a lot of programs out there, all sorts of ways you could outsource this. And those are great, but often for a small business, that is not a financially viable option up front and down the road. Maybe that would be something better to look for. The number one thing is you want to be organized with your claims. So I would suggest finding someone or getting really good at it yourself. Just finding some way to keep organized. The best suggestion I can give 
spreadsheets. It's basic. It, most people already have the program. I know they have pages or um, there's another one on iOS and Apple. Either works, just spreadsheet. Just make a spreadsheet with you know the claim number, the amount, who is claiming you, who you should claim back, any detail, and make sure that you keep it up to date. Because very easily, like I said, there's a huge amount of time between when this claim was filed with you and the next time somebody asks for an update on it, it can fall off the map so easily. And, you know, as a small business owner or an employee of a small business, yeah. you're busy, very, very busy. So you're going to want to keep up to it. And, and of course, what you can't do, Jennifer, at all is ignore them completely. Because no. I, I know that one of the things, and I did a podcast a while back about 10 mistakes that, that a lot of new small business owners, including owner operators, make when they're, they're trying to create businesses. And one of them would be identifying kind of your own personal disposition on some things. And, and there is a philosophy is if you ignore it long enough, it'll go away. Well, this is one of those things that you cannot apply that philosophy to uh, ever because they will come back to haunt you. And if you're suddenly saddled with a whole bunch of things all at once from a series of claims, it could be the difference between you continuing on as a solid business or, you know, you know, hanging up, hanging it up. So, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, I, uh, as far as the claims process goes, as far as follow up and timelines and things like that is concerned, what has been your experience as far as a, a general kind of, I, I know there's a lot of different types of claims, but that general cargo or general equipment, uh, uh, claim timeline so that people that are listening or watching this out there can understand that there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. Right. Well, to be clear, I will say I am always very pleasantly surprised when the turnaround on a claim and me filing it against somebody else is quick and there's not a lot of back and forth or radio silence on the other end. It's always a very pleasant surprise. And that does happen sometimes. But um, the the biggest thing would be just know that most customers and vendors all have a different claim pro claims process. I would make sure every time you start business with someone, just ask them what their claims process is. And typically they'll give you a rundown, you know, send it here with the subject line of your email saying this or... Um, so now, now are you are you having to fit in to their process, or do you have a standard process that you um, create claims with and push to those you're claiming against? Because I know on the invoicing side, it's the other way around. It's like everybody has a specific TMS system, and everybody has a specific way they want to receive their invoice. Is that the same with claims too? Um, yes, it can be. There are definitely some people who prefer to have it a certain way. Uh, just as a quick example, years and years ago, way back when I was, you know, <laughs> first starting out in this. So like 2011, I remember at the time there was one particular customer who wanted claims submitted through CD-ROM, which sounds so dinosaur these days, but we had to burn 
all of the PDFs onto a CD-ROM and mail it in a very specific manila folder. And it was this whole process that, like I said, it feels so silly while you're doing it, but um, there are just some specific ways they want it. And sometimes if you don't do it right, this can be used against you down the road. So you wanna just make sure that you make it clear upfront with all of your vendors and customers what is expected when it comes to claims. And I would just literally save it as a PDF file or put it in the notes in whatever CRM. Again, if you don't have some sort of CRM, use a spreadsheet. You just wanna keep this information in case you'll need it because the last thing you wanna be dealing with is you don't have this information when you need it and the t clock mm -hmm. is ticking for you to figure it out. Um, but on my end, what I had done early on and what I had taught my team to do is we actually made a claims checklist just internally for ourselves. And that was just making sure we had um, certain pieces of information readily available in a file. And in the beginning- On a per claim basis, like a checklist? Claim, per claim, yes. We would have literally a piece of paper that I would print out and I would print out the claim. This was, you can do this all electronically now very, very easily, but just to explain how uh, simple we tried to make it was that I would print out that checklist. I would print out the claim, including, you know, photographs or whatever came with that claim from our customer, put that in a folder, label it. And I would keep sticky notes on top with the date and update. And we would make sure that until that claim was completed, and where we had either declined it and it was accepted as a declination, or we had paid it either in full or some portion for whatever reason, that it was in some sort of open file that we could access at any time. And that way, all that information was together because oftentimes claims will require a lot of different information from a lot of different people. And that's why I say, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. in anything, not even just to do with claims, you might as well be as detailed as possible. If you have a system that has somewhere you can upload attachments, you know, take some email threads that you have very pertinent information on and upload it as an attachment. This stuff can be very, very important down the line. And like I said, it could be three years later. You don't want to be digging through your email archive for the past couple of years, trying to find a piece of information. If you're able to uh, document so, it now. Yeah, so it kind of pays to be a detail-oriented person in this kind of in this industry in general because data drives a lot of the decision making going on. But fear not, because if you're not that type of person, you can take bits of information from things like what we're talking about and other things that are out there on the internet and do your diligence and and if it needs to be as simple as what Jennifer is implying, where you put a sheet of paper and here's a checklist of the, the five or the 10 most important things for each and every claim to be handled properly, then make it simple on yourself and do that. Don't overcomplicate it. The, the idea of these JAWS bytes is not to, to complicate your world even further, but it's to let you know that it can be complicated. Something complicated can be simplified, right? And, and I think the, the overall theme of the last few minutes of discussion in this, this interview with Jennifer is that, you know, keep this in front of you. Don't let it be uh, an afterthought. 
because it'll come back and, and harm you a lot. So while this doesn't have to be your central focus, you don't have to hire somebody to do this unless your company is of a size and ability to do that. You can wear multiple hats. You can still get this done and just tick off those boxes one at a time. And I, what I'd like to try to do is just to, to follow up, just give a couple of quick questions to Jennifer and get her impression on on, on something. Because I know on our, our website, ilovelogistics.com, which is coming across your screen again right here, you can go on there. Uh, you can subscribe, of course, and be part of the community and, and really join into, into the idea of mainstreaming some of the things we're talking about and getting the transportation supply chain industry kind of a more focal point uh, in an understood and really developed into something that all of us can talk about consciously and, and, and move the business forward in such a way. So if you go on there, there's a, there's a poll that's going to be coming up here soon. And I wanted just to ask you, I don't know if this is the final poll, but this is probably the questions that are going to come up. So, you know, our transportation world is complicated. It can be difficult. It can be stressful. Certainly, there are all kinds of stressors. And which one of these four, I'll read them off, and then you can tell me what your top one is, Jennifer. Which one of these four is the most impactful stressor in your current career path? First one would be long hours spent on the job. And that can be during office hours or after. Certainly, there's plenty in the transportation world that seems to be 24-7 these days. The second would be a communication and conflict, you know, things that are customer-vendor relations related. Um, the third would be complexity, you know, how the systems can be complex, transactions can be multiplied in, in complex, projects can be complex. And then the fourth one is the volatility of the industry, you know, capacity imbalances, seasonal fluctuations and changes, things like that. So which one of those four kind of stands out to you most? And you can talk about all or any of those if you wish. Man, those were, those were good. They're all stressors, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, I'd rather have none, but, um, yeah, if you had asked me pre March, 2020 and pandemic era, I would probably say mm -hmm. the complexity of everything. Um, Sometimes there was a lot of uh, things that needed, were required to be printed and submitted in a specific way, or, um, you know, there was a lot of flair on everything. There still is, of course, but there was a lot of extra flair that was maybe unnecessary for getting a job done for a customer or a vendor doing a job for us. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of detective work because everyone it's it's so it's so funny thinking about it now if you're in an office setting where everyone is sometimes it's almost harder to get information from people because you know uh yeah it's in my desk i'll find it by four at some point today or whatever so the complexity was probably what i would say pre-pandemic but now i would say the hours can get uh, can be pretty stressful and it's not because you are necessarily being asked to work other hours and this probably isn't a transportation logistics industry problem this is probably just anyone working from home <laughs> having an issue these days where it's kind of hard to turn it off when as you can see I'm in I'm in my house right now and I'm 
I've been in my house for a while and I probably will be a little longer, but it's definitely easy to check your email all the time. And, you know, it's good to be able to be accessible, at least from a business standpoint, but sometimes that can be stressful and where, you know, you're able to do something now and you're like, well, it's 1130 at night and the accounting person in Texas is not going to be answering my email for another couple hours anyway. So why am I bothering? Um, so that can yeah. be stressful. And, uh, you know, just like any any in- industry, really, of course, there can be volatility. It's not something you can necessarily avoid in life. There's always going to be that, um, that factor of people. And I think this more has to do with just interacting with human beings. There's going to be differences in personality. There's going to be differences in management styles. And the best thing you can do for that is just train yourself to be better with people. You gotta, you're going to have to get in front of people sometimes now over, you know, a video chat. And I found, and this particularly goes back to claims, sometimes a face-to-face is really beneficial to toning down that volatility because over emails and and even phone calls, sometimes you know, if you can't put a face to the name, it's really easy to get angry with the other person or frustrated or annoyed even. But when you're able to sit and speak to somebody, even if things are still not great in whatever issue you're dealing with, you can at least uh, rationalize with each other, I think, on a better basis. So that would just be another uh, rollover to the claims talk. If there is an opportunity to talk to a claims team or an individual representing the claims team and maybe go over what is open or what is standing or even uh, talk about uh, resolutions that way, oftentimes I found that is the best way to move forward. That's fantastic. So I will mark all of those as great stressors for you. They all are. Well, I mean, like you know, I said, everybody who watching wants any and listening of that, out but... there, though, go to go to the website, hit that poll. I'm sure we'll have a follow up rundown in the, in a month or so um, after after we've developed that a little bit, and, and maybe even have a chat about some of those stressors and how to de stress. Because part of our industry overall, when you're working long hours in a volatile industry with you know complexity to it like this, uh, you need to be able to kind of check yourself and see what's important what's not and, and when you're at home as much as we are these days especially in lockdown california you know this that's that's something you need to to look at yourself in a mirror and say i need to take care of that too right so but hey i just wanted to thank you again for for coming online for a few minutes and, and chatting with everybody I'm sure we'll do it again more often. Maybe we'll have you put on a different hat at that time. Everybody loves to talk about collections and credit, right? Things like that or HR issues. The oh, HR issues are another too big fun to one. Get into, I think. But but uh, in the meantime, thank you again, Jennifer Joslin, for coming aboard with uh, the Road Scholar and Jaws Bites, and and we hope to see you in the very near future. Thanks awesome. So much. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Chris. Well, thanks again, everybody, for jumping aboard and, and uh, allowing us to, to come into your, well, I was going to say living room, but anywhere you have a mobile or a, a, uh, 
computer set aside or a chance to look at YouTube. If you jump on YouTube, you can always subscribe and you can get these coming to you on a regular basis. We're going to try to up the level of content. And as we develop a uh, subscriber base, as we develop relationships with people like you, we'll bring more and more content to the fore. And we'll talk about things you're interested in. So any comments you have on this video or others, and you can look those up online as well, please do so. We're, we're open to hearing from you, understanding what's important to you, and developing content around that. Thanks so much, and we'll be seeing you next time. Take care.